Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Nice, kind of small group. I always enjoy a small group. I don't mind larger groups too. But. So this morning I, I want to talk about uh, value systems and um, value system Jesus expects from his disciples. Uh, businesses, especially large businesses, have core values and and if you root around a little bit, you can usually find them posted somewhere. I found these for Amazon, for its leaders. Here are some principles. A bias for action. Speed matters in business. Many decisions and actions are reversible and don't need extensive study. A customer obsession. Leaders start with a customer and work backwards. Frugality. There are no extra points for growing headcount, budget size, or fixed expense. So leaders at Amazon who truly embrace these values will make decisions that line up with them. They'll make decisions that um, fit with those values. People have core values too, and they are really shown by our choices, by our operating choices, and not so much by our our claims, not by what we say in Sunday school or over the pulpit. So I want to look at, at what values we're supposed to have as we think about um, how our decisions ought to, to line up with them. This message is maybe a, a little bit different. Um, I've got a lot of scripture to look at. Um, we're going to be looking at three passages um, that primarily three passages where Jesus talks about discipleship quite a bit, and we'll pick out a few, a few items from those passages. won't be a complete list, but we will build a chart here, and if I can get this to work, I just have a few slides. Yeah, the, uh, the screen, oh boy, I'm going to sh- I'm gonna have to move this over, switch my screen, display. just hang on for a minute. We'll get this. Actually, I have an idea. So uh, the first passage I want to look at, it comes from Matthew 10, 24 through 39. And I'm wondering if I could get, say, Derek to come up here and read that. And then while he's reading it, just in the interest of being efficient, I'll be working over here. And, and, and Derek will read this slowly, and you will think about this passage. But I want to show you first the chart that we're going to try to build uh, as soon as I switch my display over, which is not working right now. So Derek, I've got the verses printed off here, and you can just come right up here. And um, so you read from here all the way down to here, and you can skip that comment. Okay. All right. Excellent. All right. Nice. So Matthew ten twenty four. Let's go. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. 
but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very heads of your the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life, for my sake, will find it. Thanks, Derek. All right, so that was the first passage. And uh, what I wanted to show you was um, this. All right, so I intentionally ran the display a little bit high here because just so people can back and see. But what I want to do, thanks, perfect. So I, I'm going to build a chart like this uh, of two columns. And the one on the left has more dollar signs than the one on the, on the right, signifying that we're going, to sit, we're going to look at values and say, this over here, see this pointer works, this over here, is more valuable than the thing on the right. The thing on the right has some value, but this over here has more value. So as we read these passages, I want to try to fill out this page, this table, and I'll end up having about five or six entries on it in the end. And I would encourage you, if you've got writing material and, and paper or whatever, you know, maybe uh, make your own chart as we go, and you may end up with some things I don't put down, or you may end up with some different wording, or whatever. This is not going to be a complete list, but it's going to be a few things that point to the kinds of values Jesus expects from his disciples. So in this Matthew 24 through 39 passage, all right, we already read that, but uh, the first thing that I see emphasized in, in that passage is this concept that disciples of Jesus, and I, I struggled with the wording of this first row, all right? So this is how I put it, my words. Disciples of Jesus value being right with God over being right, in quotes, with men. Jesus tells them, expect opposition from the world, but um, do not be stopped by it. Uh, so we're not saying that this thing on the right is necessarily bad. It is not our goal to end up before the Honorable John Cook, presiding judge of Campbell County Circuit Court. That is not the point. 
But the thing on the left is more important, much more important. And if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to put a higher value on the judgment of God over the judgment of man, which is much more immediate, but not nearly as significant. And Jesus says, disciples will face pressure to compromise, but to do that would be getting these values out of whack. And he shares two pieces of truth that help us keep this straight. One is the simple truth that God's judgment is far more serious than man's. Man can destroy, can destroy your body. God can destroy body and soul. That's simple enough. And the other truth that Jesus shares to help us keep this straight is, and he says this even as he's telling his disciples, don't fear those who kill the body and you're going to experience hardship. He says, remember, God has a value system too. And his disciples rank very highly in that value system. You are more valuable than many sparrows. The hair on your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore. So whatever you have to go through, because you're a follower of God, God will be paying close attention and be involved and reward you in the end. So disciples of Jesus value being right with God over being right with men. And I would rather be right with God who values me highly than to be right with men who really don't value me that much. All right, the second thing that I pull out of Matthew 10 uh, is based on, um, similar to the first, first row in the table, is based on this phrase, I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Uh, disciples of Jesus value their relationship with Jesus over relationships with people, over conflict-free relationships with people. So again, we're not saying this is bad. In fact, Romans, Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So that thing on the right, it is, it, that's a good thing to strive for. But it is not nearly as important as being consistent in your relationship with Jesus. And sometimes we have to choose between conflict with others and, and being consistent with Jesus. When that happens, we choose Jesus. And this, this kind of choice is maybe more likely to happen to you than you might think. I remember, this is a little story and not a very strong example, but it's a small example. And back at the time, it felt like kind of a, a big thing. Uh, when me and Ivan were teenagers, we were helping out one evening, we were doing the chores over at our neighbor's farm, Carter Elliott's farm. And uh, about the time we were done, a young man showed up and engaged us in friendly conversation. I don't know what connection he had with the farm. But, uh, and I don't even remember his name or who he was or whatever. But anyway, he was very talkative. 
and had a lot of opinions about things, especially politics and the way things ought to be. And uh, he was talking to us, and we were having a friendly chat, and everything was fine at our, in our conversation until he mentioned the point about an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth, and he says that's how things still ought to be, and that's how we should be operating. And in my mind, suddenly, this was a huge thing, like um, a huge potential conflict. We were having this nice little peaceful conversation, and suddenly things are going to really go downhill. And now as I look back, it wasn't really that big of a deal. But at the time, it seemed like a big deal. Either we're going to have to choose to be unauthentic and just kind of brush it off or, you know, yeah, whatever. Or we were going to have to say what we believed and, um, and be consistent in, in our testimony for Jesus. And I can't remember which one of us said something, but one of us did say, you know, actually, we don't feel that way. And we believe what Jesus taught about loving our enemies. And he was a, a bit taken aback. He did not fly off the handle and, and did not turn into a huge argument, after all. But he was a bit taken aback. And I remember that I think the conversation ended soon after that. So it wasn't really a big conflict. Uh, but at the time, it seemed kind of like a big deal to us or to me. And uh, as immature as we were at that age, we did sort of make the right choice. So this can happen just in conversations. Um, it can happen in much more serious ways. In, in, relation, in family relations, when you have family members who aren't following Jesus, sometime you're going to have to choose between following your conscience and smooth family relations, promise you. In our church, it can happen when someone is stumbling and, and confronting that person doesn't feel good, but it is more per, important for that person to be confronted with the truth lovingly than to avoid all risk of conflict. It can happen in courtship if you are considering dating or maybe dating someday, uh, and the other potential partner is not at a good place spiritually. Dating someone who is shallow spiritually will put your own relationship with Jesus at risk. So put your relationship with Jesus first. And disciples of Jesus have to make this kind of choice. Our relationship with Jesus is more important than conflict-free relationships with others. The good news is that uh, walking with Jesus consistently is being a consistent loving testimony for Jesus is always the best way to love our friends and acquaintances. All right. Okay, so we're going to leave Matthew 10 for a while, and we're going to go on to Matthew 16, 21 through 27. Now, I don't, I don't pretend to say we have extracted everything that could possibly be taken out of Matthew 10 or any of these passages. So, Matthew 16, verses 21 through 27, and in this context, Peter has just made his confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and Jesus chooses this time to tell them, 
for the first time plainly what is going to happen. So, I'm reading from the New King James Version, by the way. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Okay, so the, the principle I pull out of this passage, all right, so I added a third row, and this is one principle I'm pulling out of this passage, that disciples of Jesus value following his example over avoiding difficulty and suffering. Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And in Luke 9.23, it says daily and follow me. So, what following Jesus is not, remember our context in this account and in the Mark account, which is parallel, this statement about if anyone would come after me, this description of discipleship, doesn't, this is not just Jesus picking at random a time to describe what it means to be a follower of him. This instead is a reaction to a false notion that has just been presented, that being Peter's false notion. Peter rebuked Jesus and said, These, this is not going to happen to you. Far be it from you. This shall never happen to you. These terrible things are not going to happen. And Jesus essentially is saying, the motivation behind your statement is, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of men. In other words, Peter, you don't have the value system that I require of my disciples. You can't follow Jesus with a value system like that, that is set on the things of man. That's a value system that comes from Satan. Because following Jesus, and Jesus sets the record straight, following Jesus is not about avoiding all pain and inconvenience and difficulty. It's not about fulfilling our own interests. Instead, it's self-denial and, and cross-bearing. And in today's world, there are Christians all over the world 
or in certain parts of the world, I mean, who understand this much better than we do here in America. But even in America, there is, there is some hardship and stress and difficulty that comes from being faithful to Jesus. It's not our goal to suffer hardship and difficulty. It's okay to avoid it when it makes sense. I mean, by all means, enjoy modern conveniences that remove some of the hardship from your life. Um, but someday you might decide, as a disciple of Jesus, I might need to give up some of these modern conveniences and go serve on a mission field where they're not so available and there's not a Walmart ten minutes away. Like, um, I think of Daryl and Rose in, in Columbia. So, there is some value in avoiding unnecessary difficulty and suffering, right? But there is much greater value in following Jesus. We, va we value that far above the thing on the right. All right? The third passage, now again, there's more in that passage we could look at, but um, we'll move on to the third passage now. And Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> this is verses 25 through 33. Yeah, so there are other passages that speak about discipleship and would definitely fit into a discussion like this. These are kind of the three big ones that I found and I wanted to focus on. So Luke 14, 25 through 33, and this follows the parable of the great banquet where, remember, people made excuses for why they couldn't come. I, brought a, I bought a field, I got married, I bought some oxen, and so on. And then we have this account. And this passage contains many of the themes we already saw in Matthew 10 and 16. Goes like this. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you Intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. That would be kind of a waste, wouldn't it? You're going to build a tower, you end up with a foundation and decide to quit. Uh, that's not... The foundation probably is not serving you very well at this point. You know, a two-foot-high tower, I don't know how, how high the foundation would be. But uh, kind of a waste of money here. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. After all, 20,000 to 10,000 is not very good odds. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. 
I was reading um, David Guzik, his, his commentary on, on this passage, and he says that in the, in the parable of the tower, Jesus said, sit down and see if you can afford to follow me. You, it's clearly, you, he wants you to count the cost. In the parable of the king, Jesus said, sit down and see if you can afford to refuse my demands. Now, I've got, I've got two more rows I'm going to add to my little table, and maybe you've got, you're going to end up with more. That'll be fine. Um, so the passage that we just read in, in Luke lays out some pretty broad concepts that I see also in the other two passages we just read. And I'm going to save that one for the last row, but um, for now, I want to focus on that last verse, which in the New American Standard reads like this, so then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. And so I want to add this row. Okay, so I've got four, four rows. That um, disciples of Jesus value spiritual investments over earthly possessions, something like that. Disciples of Jesus have those in the right order. Uh, they understand that the things we have can be used to lay up treasure in heaven. And that's the main point. Uh, in Luke 16, verse, verses 9 and 10, right after the parable of the unjust steward, Jesus says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So we need to be faithful with some of the least things like earthly material possessions. Because you can, and you can use them. You can use your material things like plain old cash to accomplish things of eternal significance. So use your cash wisely and your credit cards. Then some people will decide to take a pay cut because they see that it allows them to work more effectively on the thing on the left than the thing on the right. And that is the kind of decision that, value, that disciples of Jesus are willing to make. So earthly possessions are fine, but spiritual treasure is the main point. Okay, so then the, the last row I'm going to add to this, uh, this little table here. Uh, it, it, to me, it kind of encompasses all three passages. And it's this theme. So in Luke 14, 26, here's the theme that I see. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And then in Matthew 10.39, we had this, this line, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. <clears throat> and in Matthew 16.25, we read, 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And so here's my uh, take on, on that theme. That disciples of Jesus value eternal life over what I'm going to call living the dream. In other words, getting everything out of, out of our life that we could dream of and all our kind of non-eternal things that would be nice to experience or have. So Jesus says in those three passages that it's pointing to a disregard for our life in this world. He's not saying that everyone's, all his disciples need to die as martyrs. That John, for example, did not die a martyr's death. But he is talking about a very complete surrender to what God wants to do with our life. Um, he wants disciples who have their minds set on the things of God, as he said in, in Matthew 16, and not the things of men. And simple terms, this could mean dying for Jesus, but it also means being willing to give up non-eternal aspirations. So I don't know how you think uh, when you daydream about where you would like to be 10 to 20 years from now, So when I think about it, I can. it's easy for me to think about um, having a house paid off or living in, an, in a larger house would be nice because our house is not very large. Um, let's see, what else? Okay, so someday I would like to take an extended out west trip or, or any out west trip for that matter. Uh, you know, the, the whole you know, Grand Canyon thing, uh, Yellowstone, whatever. That would be good. Uh, and none of these goals are, are wrong. None of these, I do not have a problem with any of them. I have them, if you call them goals. Um, they're, they're not wrong in themselves, and they can be used to benefit the kingdom of God. They can be used to contribute to the thing on the left. But um, they should not be our big goals. Right? These are not the main point. These, they should not be our big goals. And so it can bother me sometimes, and I think it should bother me, when I daydream about the future and tend to think in terms of that kind of thing over, um, say, for example, let me see how many years this be, seven, um, 17 years from now, say, Sophie serving on the mission field would be a great aspiration. Or, um, trying to think of some others, uh, grace and being involved in the church. And, and you know, those are, those are goals. Those are important goals for me. Um, neighbors um, attending church, that would be an amazing thing. Um, myself growing, you know, feeling like I've, I have made progress spiritually. So, 
I don't know. I mean, do you have goals like that? When you think about 10 to 20 years from now, do you think in terms like that, or do you think in, in more non-eternal? And I'm not saying there's a problem with, with having some non-eternal goals. I'm just saying we, we need to be careful and make sure we've got things in the right order. I, I believe mature disciples of Jesus think more often in terms of goals that are of eternal significance over the non-eternal ones, and definitely living the dream is not a, is not a priority. So what kind of value system does Jesus expect from his disciples? This is, this is part of it. This is some of it. It's not all of it, but that is some of it. And then the big question for us is, do my claims actually reflect that? Uh, I brought this coffee mug along. Um, this coffee mug, I, Jeff is in, so I, I've, I've, for a long time, this was the coffee mug I used at work. For years, I mean, probably 10 years of use at work. And um, it carried, I, so I carried it around kind of, you know, like I do. And it unintentionally made a claim that wasn't really accurate. Can you see it? So it kind of was presenting a claim that wasn't really accurate about me. See the coffee mug? Notice anything about the coffee mug? All right, so people say, well, you must love dogs. And I don't mind dogs. I mean, I like dogs. But I don't even have a dog. I, I, I don't know. I just kind of like the mug. It was actually the, the, the main reason I carried it around. I liked the mug. And it wasn't so much that I was actually that obsessed with dogs. I have no problem with dogs, just to make that clear. But I wouldn't, you know, I'm not really a dog enthusiast. Um, and so the claims presented didn't really line up with the facts about my life and the choices I have made in my life, which include not having a dog yet. Uh, and so as Christians, we need to think about are we just kind of carrying the mug or are we actually making choices that line up with our values? Disciples of Jesus place a high value on being right with him, following him, investing in eternal life. And I hope you're, I hope you're challenged by these thoughts or reminders and not discouraged because, I mean, the truth is we're each, each of us is a work in progress. And I know I've not always made choices that line up with um, what used to be up on the screen there. But um, by God's grace, I will grow in that. God bless you. Let's have a song.